Yeah. Anyway, um, do you want to start or would you like me to start? No, I can never remember who started first the last time. Oh, I, I have no idea. Okay. I never remember. I'll start. I guess Oh, I'll go. go for it. Okay. Go for it. Oh. Oh. You want to go? Okay. <laughs> you can do it. I'll do it. It's- okay. <laughs> We're so decisive. <laughs> go for it. Okay. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Doing all right. What was that noise? That was me opening a beer after you did, or after <laughs> oh, whatever you fabulous. opened. I don't know. It might have been seltzer. <laughs> I opened ah. a seltzer, a hard seltzer. Ah. Because it was either that or, like, a 9% beer, and I'm like, eh, maybe I don't want to be quite that monstrous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I do, but I I won't. I I'm guess. indecisive, so I have over here with me a mug of water, a Diet Coke, nice. a beer, and a tasty <laughs> glass full of bourbon, so... <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll probably, you know, probably once we're, like, 10 minutes into this episode and I start getting annoyed, then I'll be, like texting jeff to bring me that nine percent <laughs> beer after all <laughs> yeah yeah i am a little sad though today because i had to remove my haunted rocking chair from oh no my laughing box here because it was well first of all i mean like all the evps that i had to keep filtering out were problematic but also there was all the creaking noise that that really was the main issue the creaking noises it would make like any time i moved i thought it added a so. nice ambiance it's true it's true i could bring it back i miss it it's a comfy chair this chair is fine that i have but it's just a plain old office chair well there's no there's no character or backstory to it (laughs) it's better than my folding chair i'm still sitting on because i'm too lazy to go (laughs) and too cheap to go buy an office chair we have an extra office chair do you want it maybe it's a nice one. It's comfortable. <laughs> I won't. It's the, actually the same one that I'm currently sitting in. It's just a different color because we've replaced it with a with a gaming right. chair. Right. The nice chair that is at. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we just have it sitting around and you can for sure oh, have thank it. thank you. I'm, I think I'll yeah. take you up on that. Woo. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good chair. For sure better than a yes, folding chair. folding chair is not the best, but that's okay. <laughs> it's served me well so far. Fair. Except for that, it's weird to sit on it when it's humid, and then I put mm. a blanket on it, and then it's too hot, so <laughs> there's no winning. Oh, there's annoying. no winning with the folding chair. Stupid folding oh, chair. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is nice and breathable. It's just got a mesh back, and it's nice. comfy. I took tomorrow off. <laughs> yeah. That's good. At least I'm assuming it's good, yeah, and and not because, like, doctor or cat or something. Well... Initially, it was because I was going to attempt overnight to lock Pepper away so I could collect a urine sample from her (laughs) in the morning and bring it to the vet and thought, well, maybe that won't go as planned, so maybe I should take more time off just in case it's not as smooth sailing like she pees and then I bring it right there and run right to work at, you know, nine in the morning. Were you just able to gather it from her carrier instead? (laughs) 
Or squeeze it from her you know, fur before you bathe her. She wrung her out. <laughs> Poor Pepper. She peed herself on the way home from the vet it's this really week. Sad. It's Andrew, very it's sad. Poor cat. Yeah. And then we had a bath. And my car stinks. I mean, right now it stinks like, you know, the enzyme cleaner stuff, but it still stinks. And I need to, maybe tomorrow I'll just leave. I haven't looked at the weather. Maybe it'll rain. I don't know. It seems pretty cloudy out. It's supposed to rain. God damn it. I was going to, I was like, maybe I'll leave the windows open and let it air out, but not if it's going to rain. No, definitely. That's not going to do any good. Not a good idea tomorrow. But I was going to do that, and then my vet emailed and said they are off tomorrow and Friday, so I'm glad I got that heads up. So we will have to attempt the urine collection next week. (laughs) Sounds like good times. It's going to be so fun for everyone in this house. We have to get a urine collection from Lily, but I feel like it's way easier to get one from a dog than from a cat, and way preferable. (laughs) Also, I'm not going to do like, it myself. I'm making Jeff do it. So, <laughs> yeah, yes. good. It depends on the cat. Like the other two, the vet usually just sticks a needle yeah, into their so bladder the and takes the urine. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. But Pepper's too fat. <laughs> no. They can't feel her bladder. Oh, no, <laughs> it's so tra- no. It just gets more and more tragic. I know, my poor little girl. And also, she might have diabetes. Yeah, so, yeah, poor kitty. Poor squishes. She's so cute. She, there was almost no water in the water dish when I came home, and I filled up oh, this morning. Yeah, so she's. Di- I think it's her too. Yeah. I don't think it's thirteen this time. Not a good sign. <laughs> My cats have a lot of issues, guys. My they're cat old. Also has a lot of issues. Did I tell you? Yeah, you saw her wonky eye. She's oh, got a yes. third eyelid that won't retract, so her eye looks really nasty now. It's not no. any better. Oh, poor yeah. girl. Yeah, she's on multiple medications for it. Doesn't seem to be improving yet, so oh, she'll have no. she'll have another vet visit in her future as well. If it doesn't open ever, is that something that they can just she could just live with, or do they have to like remove her eye if it doesn't work anymore? I'm not sure what they would do. They can remove the eyelid, but if it's not seeming oh. to bother her, I don't know that they would do anything about it. But also, he thinks that. She's got a constricted pupil, which he said is a pain response, though. So it seems that there is something bothering her. We just don't know what or why, because there's like nothing. He didn't see anything in her eye. There's no scratches on it. And it's apparently not a bacterial infection causing her pain because she's not responding to antibiotics. So so we don't know. They're going to try an antiviral next, and we'll see what happens. Poor kitty. Yeah. Tragic kitties. She and I are blind in one eye twins right now. Oh, sad but true. Yes, it is. So yeah, so that's uh that's uh, our update. Pet talk. This has been pet talk. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Do you have stories about your cats and dogs that you would like to share with this Stargate podcast? <laughs> Leave us a voicemail on our website. Stargating space. We love pet stories. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, what are we actually talking about today? Ah, mm, let me uh, flip over to that uh, area. Oops, that's not the right one. Hold on, let me tab <laughs> By over. By the way, if someone actually does leave us a voice message and gives us the permission, I would totally share their story. <laughs> yes. It would be it would pretty be. great. 
In the meantime, we're going to talk about Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 13, Spirits. This was a bad episode. I'm just going to say that right out. This is a bad episode, and we're going to do the best we can with it. So I'm apologizing on behalf of both of us. We're going to try not to offend anybody, and I'm sorry if we do. I hope the fact that, spoiler alert, I liked it is not oh, going geez, to what is wrong with anything. <laughs> I LOL'd multiple I did times, LOL at some things, so... but I thought it was also, like, I thought it was also really bad in, in some parts, especially, so... <laughs> I didn't say it was good. I yeah, just that's I fair. It. That's not the same thing. There are plenty of terrible things that I acknowledge are terrible that I love. Like that movie, The Haunting. Awful movie. Love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> the episode starts in the meeting room with a close-up of a quarantine box. Why they're using a quarantine box for this, I don't really know. Tilk opens the box and it's full of rocks that don't seem to have any harm to people. So that's why I'm not sure they're why they're in a quarantine box. It's the only box they <laughs> maybe had. Maybe the only one they had. Or maybe they just didn't want people snooping in it and they're like, well, put it in a quarantine box. No one will yeah. want to open this if it's in quarantine. SG-1 passes these rocks around and Hammond tells them that this is Trinium. He says that they hope that it will one day help to fight the Gwauld. And SG-11 apparently found it on a routine mission to PXY-887. Sam has heard of Trinium before and says that it's supposed to be 100 times lighter and stronger than steel. But as she says this, Tilt crushes one of the rocks with his bare hand. <laughs> so for a second, I was like, wow, Tilt's really strong. <laughs> but then Evan clarifies that this is raw Trinium, which is really brittle because it's got a lot of impurities in it. SG-11 was apparently sent back to the planet to get more samples, but they're 48 hours overdue for a check-in. So Hammond is going to send SG-1 in. Daniel asks if there are any indigenous people on the planet. And Hammond says that a preliminary sweep hasn't shown any signs of people. And Jack points out, well, it's a big planet. That's what I say, like, every time. Right? They're like, oh, I guess we're on this ice world. Oh, I don't see anybody in our, like, six miles. We've walked away from the gate. There must be no one here. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) All of these things I was thinking as well, yes. (laughs) Yeah. So Hammond says that they also found no radio traffic or EM signatures or any other sign of indigenous life at all. Like, that seems to be weird to just assume that because there's no radio traffic or EM signals in this area that there might there must not be people either. Like that's a that's a rather large leap in logic as well. So anyway, suddenly the incoming traveler alarm goes off and it's SG-11's code. Hammond says that they better have a good explanation before he angrily turns to the window and everybody gets up and looks in at the window. The gate opens, but no people. All that comes through is an arrow and it shoots from the gate up through the glass in the meeting room, and lodges itself in Jack's arm. In all the commotion, nobody really saw what happened, and so Hammond is like, everybody okay? (laughs) Jack says, um, no. And then we get credits. Yes. After the credits, the team enters the infirmary. Well, SG three quarters (laughs) walks in, and they're all decked out in their travel to other worlds gear. And they are there to see Jack, who is in a hospital gown, in a bed. 
they're going to head out on their mission without him because he needs to recover from this. Jack says something about aliens always poking him full of holes. and I, <laughs> I missed that part. Really wow, how did that. I miss that? <laughs> I don't know, but I was glad he said it because I was thinking, oh, Yeah, that's what again, I was thinking Jack? too. That's Come really on. funny. <laughs> I thought the same thing when he got shot, but I totally missed that line. That's great. Aliens are always poking me full of holes. Right. Daryl, no. <laughs> I'm mixing, I'm combining the letter D and the word arrow in my notes <laughs> to Darrow. This is our new character, Darrow. Darrow. He, He's kind of like Badgie from uh, lower decks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it looks like you're running a simulation. We went in totally different directions oh, on those. Where were you going with it? <laughs> I was going with Clarence oh. Darrow. <laughs> Famed, uh, was that the John Scopes monkey yes. trial? Uh, was that the actual person or was that the character in the movie? I can't I ever remember. remember. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't remember. Um, I think that anyway. was the actual lawyer. I, I think so. so. Either way, I didn't mean yeah. Darrow. I meant Daniel is talking about the arrow. Yes. It has an advanced design, and I, he says that it is. it looks similar to arrows that Native North Americans might have made. Their term, not ours. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sam says that the arrow was made of forged trinium. And that these people have come a long way if they were of Native American descent. Again, their word. Daniel just marched in and started mining, which must be a thing he said about (laughs) SG-11. Yes. And then Hammond comes in, tells them the Pentagon is concerned about SG-11, and they also don't want to make the people who might be on that planet mad. Sam interprets this as they don't want to lose the ability to mine Trinium, which Hammond confirms. That this is their secondary objective to come up with a treaty with the peoples of this planet so they can keep doing the mining. Whenever they talk about Trinium, I just keep thinking about precious Tritium from Spider-Man. And Tritium <laughs> is actually a thing, but I still just kept thinking about how they always called it precious Tritium in that movie. <laughs> precious. The second one. Yeah. With Tobey Maguire. I like those I movies. I haven't watched that in a while. I it's enjoy those movies too. The third one's pretty Yeah, bad, I only like but... the first and the second one, really. <laughs> but I enjoyed them. I thought Tobey Maguire was a good Spider-Man. Tom Holland's yeah. great, too, though. I'll yeah. give him that. Didn't really like Andrew Garfield. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't think I watched any of yeah. the Andrew Garfield Wasn't ones. I like Tom Holland, too. Hammond says that Sam is in command of SG-1 and reminds her to be diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't know, is she given cause that she is... I don't know. No, but anyway. I was thinking that it's a good thing that she's running this mission instead of Jack, though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. He's too mouthy. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's just... a, little, a little too mouthy and sarcastic. Not really a good yeah. combination when you're trying to make a treaty with somebody. <laughs> Hammond gives them the go-ahead for their mission, and they're off. Jack says to Sam as she's leaving, first command. Cool. <laughs> And she says she will do her best. And Sam says, I know. And she says, thank you. I thought that was cute. Yeah. Yeah. Sam's first mission. Woo! Go, Sam! Yeah. Yeah. 
on the new planet, there is a huge rock pile and a bunch of equipment and a very angry crow. The camera pans over all of these and then Sam and Daniel come into view. Tilk radios in that he made it to the blasting site and it's abandoned, but he will investigate further. And so I was wondering if this big giant rock pile that they were in front of is a result of the explosion that they set off, which they seem to kind of indicate it is, in which case they picked a really bad spot to set up their tents and their equipment because it's way too close <laughs> to where those rocks landed because it's like maybe 20 feet away from where this pile of rocks has rained down from the cliffside. Yeah, and you're right. It doesn't take Teal long to get back yeah. to them. So I think that it is, they're not. Exactly. Far away yeah, it takes him like two seconds blasting. to get back there, which I was also, he actually, I was actually startled when he came on screen because I was not <laughs> expecting another character to come on. I was like, whoa. Oh, it's Teal. What's he doing there? <laughs> so anyway, he's back up at the site of the explosions, and Sam copies and says that they're at location. She finds a coffee pot that has boiled dry, and that made me very sad. And that's probably one of the biggest issues I had with this episode. That's never good. No. Coffee's, coffee. coffee's meant to be drunk in, in its entirety. Yes, and in copious amounts. And yes. wasted coffee is always a tragedy. Yep. Daniel turns on one of the computers to find that somebody was in the middle of typing an email. And he reads that SG-11 were having more trouble mining the precious trinium than expected. And weren't reaching their daily quotas due to several unforeseen factors, but the email cuts off before any of those problems could be named. And Sam comments that it looks like everyone just kind of left. Tilk suddenly comes back, <laughs> as we mentioned, <laughs> and says that there are no signs of a struggle, but that there are footprints that lead to two separate detonators, and one of those was discharged and the other wasn't. So Sam says that kind of confirms the suspicion that maybe they were taken by surprise. But Tilk says that there were footprints leading to the mine, but not away from it. So it's kind of like they just disappeared right where they were. Daniel calls that creepy. <laughs> There's noises from outside and Tilk goes to check and we see a wolf up on a ledge over them. But it runs off before any of SG three quarters sees it. And Tilk says he's certain he heard something, and Daniel suggests ghosts? Zoinks! <laughs> Tilk's like, yeah, no. <laughs> Not so much. So they decide they're going to look around some more. Tilk has made his way up to, I think, the area where the wolf was. Mm -hmm. Some sort of cliffy little over, I don't know, overlook. Yeah. Of, yeah. It's a tall rock. Yeah. Maybe like... 60 80 feet up maybe yeah. not i can i don't know i can't judge distance but it's tall either yeah taller than multiple people yeah and so he's standing up there looking around and he points for carter to go look at something and we see it is a totem pole it's got animals and a bunch of totems like, tiny heads <laughs> and yeah <laughs> totems. i'm just trying to describe it yes no it's fine <laughs> One of them is clearly a Jaffa with an Apophis symbol on his head. Yes. I thought it was interesting that it was specifically Apophis. Yeah. Because we've seen a few other ones. Yeah. So Daniel's given it a closer look. Sam notes there's trinium on the totem. And Sam asks Daniel for an interpretation. Of course. <laughs> because, of course, he can interpret it. And Daniel says it is a clan 
crust in the style of the Central Coast. I can't remember how it's pronounced. Is it Sal- Salish? Salish. Thank you. Okay. Daniel says it's a clan crust in the style of the Central Coast Salish Indians. Again, direct quote. Yep. He does go ahead to interpret it. He says it shows the origins of the clan, that they were brought here by evil rulers. And going by what's on on the totem pole, it's Jaffa and probably took them from Earth. And then he says further that the gold was destroyed by Zales, who's protected them ever since. And that Zales is a... a um, oh my god. <laughs> the, main, the, main the main spirit. spirit. Yeah, Zales is the main spirit and is beloved, benevolent, and is often represented by a raven. They hear another... I'm going to talk about the totems in a second. They hear another nose. Nose. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> they hear another noise. Tilk moves in the direction of the noise and spots the wolf. And then it's behind them suddenly. There's some creepy native sounding music. Mm-hmm. Native-y isn't the right word. What am I trying to say? That's not tribal tribal there's some creepy tribal music in the background don't forget the chanting oh i totally missed the chanting did you really yeah so prev- i heard the chanting before i even heard any of the other part of the music good grief i don't know what i was doing <laughs> then we hear another whoosh teal and sam and daniel are then all hit by little arrows not the big one that di- that jack was hit with yeah. like dart sized yes and as sam starts to uh fall over and fade into unconsciousness she sees some men coming toward her wearing indigenous american looking garb yeah so specifically about the totem poles i looked i was looking up the salish before Mm -hmm. this and oh nice salish refers to the language group oh so it's a it's actually a bunch of different um is tribe still the right word i don't believe so so it's a bunch of different tribes over in on the sort of north pacific northwest in the united states and also into british columbia oh okay so is that who the salish sea is named for because that's where they do a lot of um, marine biology research my guess would be yes i have heard a few talks and presentations on which is in that general area of like washington so it must be yeah but specifically with the totem poles which are a thing for some some peoples of the Pacific Northwest, right? Mm-hmm. The Salish do have totem poles, but they did not start making them until the early 20th century. They oh, were really? not part of their historic art form or, or art or culture. So, <laughs> so somehow on this planet, they also have those, even though they were probably plucked from Earth many years before the 20th century. Right. I also thought it was interesting that Daniel was, like, interpreting the totem pole as though he were reading something, even though there was, like, no signs of pictograms or inscriptions or any writing on the totem pole. He's just, like, acting like he's reading it like he'd be reading a book. And that was weird, too. (laughs) Thank you, though. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought that was pretty interesting. And, I mean, other stuff, too, I'm trying to think... Yeah, I mean, it was it's it's hard to really like compare them directly because because yeah. it's so many different it's many, groups yeah. of people. Mm-hmm. So like, but like, 
later on, like Takaya, at least some of the the groups in that area. That's the name of of, of for wolf. That's that's the word for wolf. Oh, so that's that, and yeah, I don't know. Cool. And then Zales. There isn't a lot of information about Zales, at least as far as I could tell. I found one <laughs> website where somebody seems to catalog actually writ, like all of the ancient things from Stargate specifically, and they were <laughs> nice. only able to find one reference to Zales in some book like some kind of I don't know it's not an encyclopedia but like basically mm-hmm. an encyclopedia of like indigenous peoples no oh, interesting but yeah so I couldn't find a lot of information on Zales just in case anyone was curious anyway. I was curious but then I didn't <laughs> look it up because I didn't have time and also I was hoping maybe you had <laughs> and yay you Fair. did <laughs> yeah. yay thank you yeah, no problem <laughs> The next scene is in a village. There's a big central hut, and around that, people are building and carrying canoes. The team wakes up in the hut, and they try to leave, but there's a guard at the door. (laughs) Sam says, hi, we're just stretching our legs. (laughs) And they go back inside. She then figures that they must be prisoners, but if they are prisoners instead of dead, then chances are SG-11 is also being held prisoner somewhere and not dead. That's good. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Tilk says the building makes for a strange prison and Sam somehow is able to identify that it is made of flexible trinium fibers. I have no idea how she could figure that out, but it would make it waterproof and incredibly strong. Daniel says that it is amazing that they've managed to evolve technologically while still maintaining their way of living, which again is a huge assumption because all they've seen so far is one totem pole, a few arrows and this (laughs) hut and those canoes outside. So like, They could have huge complex cities elsewhere that you don't know. Maybe this is like a camp. So anyway, Tilk points out that they don't seem to have any facilities for manufacturing or purifying metals. And there should be signs of that. And Daniel says, well, on Earth, the Salish are migratory people. Migratory? Migratory. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. I can't help myself. I'm done now. Yes. Um. But while it might be true, I was thinking about the fact that if there were manufa- like manufacturing societies, don't tend to be nomadic. So I think Daniel is trying true. to argue that they are both nomadic and manufacturing, which doesn't happen. Sam wonders how far they are from the mining camp. And a guy walks in, followed by two guards, and he tells them it's a couple days walk. So how long has SG three quarters been out then if they were taken someplace that is a couple days walk from here? Uh-oh. Apparently a couple days, <laughs> at least. <laughs> at least, right. So this guy introduces himself as Tunani. Sam introduces herself as Captain Dr. Samantha Dr. Carter of the SGC. And Tanani says, that's a long name. <laughs> so she says that he can call her Sam. The others are introduced and Tanani says that the spirits tell him that Tilk has a demon inside of him, but Tilk promises it can't harm them. Tanani says that normally he that would mean a great deal to him, but seeing as they just met, he doesn't really trust them. But Sam promises that they mean you no harm, and Tanani wants to know, in that case, why did you bring weapons? She says that they only brought them in self-defense, and they're just looking for some friends of theirs who went missing. Tanani assures them, oh, they're not missing, they're just with the spirits. <laughs> Daniel's like, so they're dead? <laughs> Tanani says, no, of course not. They're with the spirits. And then he's surprised that Sam doesn't know who the spirits are. You don't know the spirits, Sam? 
<laughs> Daniel's like, no, of course we know who the spirits are, but there's just so many. We were wondering what specific ones. And that's when he specifies that it's Zales or maybe Takaya, who we just talked about. Sam asks if they are prisoners and he says, no, no, you're free to go. And she says, well, can we have our weapons back? And he just shrugs and smiles and says, okay. <laughs> and then we get a hard transition. I thought this was just a weird scene because he's just like smiling at them the whole time. And just, it was just a weird conversation. Yes. Like, I agree he was with that. Monotone and not really reacting to anything that they were saying and just smiling at them and acting all friendly while also saying that he didn't trust them and being like, why the hell did you have weapons? But yeah, it was just bizarre. Yeah. It, I don't know. So they then have their weapons back. They're yeah. outside putting themselves back together. And Sam asks Tonani about their friend. And Tonani says that they witnessed SG-11 making war on the mountain and trying to take the key. Sam's like, you mean the trinium? And Tonani says, yes, that is what they called it. And after Zales took SG-11, he told Tonani to shoot the arrow through the circle of standing water, aka the Stargate, to warn the people on the other side not to return. But I guess you didn't understand. (laughs) And Sam's like, we did, but we want our friends back. So Tonani offers to introduce them to Zales and says that Zales will know where their friends are. And it won't hurt to ask. (laughs) Right. Teal'c says to Sam that Tonani is blaming the spirits for his actions. (laughs) And Sam says, let's let him so we can get back SG-11. And they follow Tonani as he heads off to find Zales. Yep. A little ways outside of the hut where this was all happening, they show a close-up of a carved wolf head, which is high up. I don't know if it's the top of another totem pole or maybe a big statue, but they pan down from the carved wolf's head. And this this conversation is so bad. (laughs) Daniel says, wherever we're going, there's probably going to be a ceremony of some sort. They may even ask you to dance, but whatever it is, no matter how ridiculous, (laughs) his word, not mine. And I was thinking to myself, oh, no, yeah, as he says this. But he says that she just needs to go along with it. Cringe. Yeah. (laughs) Daniel is just kind of the worst. He's supposed to be the one that's like, you know, diplomatic and like their bridge to other cultures. But I find like his behavior is often what's even more like the way he talks about other people or acts towards other people is often way more problematic than the rest of SG-1 who are supposedly not trained in blending in or or making friends with new people counterpoint yes it becomes evident sam can't handle playing along later and so he might have been on the mark being like i know you think this is ridiculous but you need to go along with it (laughs) as like a reminder but still maybe (laughs) better wording she goes up to tanani and asks him how they purify the key so it doesn't crumble And I noticed that they are walking so ridiculously slowly that it is going to take them forever to get wherever they're going. And it's no wonder it took them two days to get here from wherever the mining camp is. (laughs) Because they're like shambling. Tonani's just the chillest man. 
He has no hustle. <laughs> True. But apparently none of the rest of them do either. Tanani says that first they have to ask the spirits to ask the mountains for the key. And then if the mountain is in a good mood, it will drop the key in the river. And then the river polishes it until it's shiny. And then they take it from the river and shape it into whatever they need. <laughs> Sam says, oh. <laughs> so they reach somewhere. And Tanani calls for Zales. And Daniel's like, you're not going to do a dance or something? <laughs> Which is pretty bad. Like, come on, Daniel. What are you doing? Seriously. And Tanani says they used to do it that way. But Zales said at some point that they can just call his name. So that's what they do now. <laughs> Tanani walks forward and is greeted by the wolf from earlier. And he calls the wolf to Kaya. And tells his friend they have a beautiful coat. And tells Sam to use a little flattery. And she somewhat eye-rollishly, I'll say, my, what big eyes you have. (laughs) Yes. Which I also laughed at, but. (laughs) So she's not, she's not really into this role-playing type situation where she just needs to go along with things she thinks are ridiculous but that's she okay really is not a dog owner otherwise no. she would have no trouble talking to a canid like it's I a person know. <laughs> i know tonani tells them to ask about their friends so sam asks after their friends and then looks at daniel before telling tonani that she can't do this because that's just a wolf not a spirit And Tonani says, you can't see the wind, but you know it's there because you can hear it and feel it and see its effects on the trees. And it's the same with the spirits. You see a wolf, but it's Takaya there. Then they hear a bird. And that loud bird from the beginning of the episode, I'm assuming it's the same one, arrives. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Daniel asks if that's Zales, which Tonani confirms. And so Daniel speaks to the, I guess it's a raven, right? Nevermore. I guess it must be. I yeah, thought it was a I little thought, small to be a raven, but yeah. I don't know. I call it a crow in my notes, but... Same. Yeah. Daniel speaks to the raven and says they mean no harm and they apo- and apologizes for the misunderstanding with his friends. If you could release them, we'd be super grateful. The chanting and the drumming has started up again at this <laughs> point, too. The bird, ah! <laughs> yes, it does. And Daniel's like... <laughs> I think I heard he was going to let him go. And Teal's like, that's what I heard, too. Uh, I hated this part, too, because Tanani is like a grown-ass adult, not a little kid. I know. And they're acting like he's a child. Yeah. And I hated it. Yeah. So Nani says he heard something different. And he heard that... Nevermore. Zales is going to think about it and get back to them. And Sam's like, that's what I heard, too. Daniel's like, are you sure... I swear I heard that he was going to let him go. (laughs) And Sam says, Daniel, let's let the bird think about it. And then (laughs) asks Tanani if they can have a look around while Zales is making up their mind. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. yeah. So the team is searching around and they're walking through the forest. Zales flies up again and lands on a tree. And Tanani says, I was fast. Zales ass at them again. <laughs> and Sam says, Oh, sorry, I missed that one. Never more. 
Tanani tells her that Zales has granted her request or their request and that their friends are going to be released. So they're all like, great. When? Takaya is apparently also there. And so Takaya runs off into some random tiny patch of fog that has come <laughs> up out of nowhere. And then suddenly SG-11 comes wandering out. And it's apparently like a big team of seven people. And this whole thing just yeah. felt really clown carish to me because like first it's just one guy and then just more and more people keep walking out of this tiny patch of mist. <laughs> it was a big team. And by tiny patch of mist, I mean it's like five feet tall and like four feet wide and like not even taking up the whole screen. So it was just weird <laughs> that more it's... and more people kept appearing out of it. It's pretty small and that's pretty yeah. funny. <laughs> and then of course there is still more background music and chanting as Tanani <laughs> asks Sam how it feels to see the wind. <laughs> Maybe not four feet wide, a little bit wider, yeah. but not, you know, not not very wide. No. Uh, did you notice the, the first man who walked out who I think is called Connor? Yeah. The last time we saw him, he was on planet Crazy Dad from Boy Meets World. Oh, no way. That was the same yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't notice that until you just said that. But yeah, that guy's name was Connor's. So I'm glad he's still around. Oh, yeah, that's good to know. And he's the yeah. head of his own team now. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, go you. Ooh. I don't remember anything about the name of the people on that planet. So that's just the... Also, I couldn't remember the guy's last name. I kept calling him Jonas Quinn. And I'm like, that is not right. That's the <laughs> other Jonas that we haven't gotten to yet. Yes. Yeah, I don't remember the people on that planet either. <laughs> just remembered it. <laughs> Obviously, it's Jonas Hansen because <laughs> he is the leader of both yes, the Jonas, the Jonas Brothers, Brothers and, and Hansen. Hansen. Yes, that's right. <laughs> anyway, okay, sorry. I'll let you do this scene now. <laughs> Good times. On their way back to the village, Sam asks Captain Connors where they've been for the last 48 hours, except that we've already established that they were missing for 48 hours before SG-3 Quarters was sent in, and then apparently SG-3 Quarters bodies were walked for two days from <laughs> the mining site to the village so they should have actually been missing for four days not just 48 hours and i would think that hammond probably would have sent another team to look for sg three quarters now but here we are yeah. connor's isn't sure where they've been for the last two to four days the last thing he remembers is that he was in the middle of writing that email that Daniel found. And then next thing he knows, he's walking out of the mist to find SG three quarters there. Daniel was somehow expecting more to that, but Connor says, now that's, that's really it. But I do feel like I've got a really bad hangover without any of the good times that a hangover typically involves. So he figures they must've been drugged and Tilks says that they were too. Tanani goes up to Connors and says, Hey Cap, still smiling. I hope Sam introduces everybody. And then asks Connors if it's true that Tanani asked them to stop blasting. And he says that it is true, but they had already set two charges at that point. And so they had asked Tanani to wait until after the explosions to talk. But Tanani just left before they had the chance. Sam pulls Tanani aside and says that she and Tanani need to have the conversation that Captain Connor should have had with him earlier. Burn. <laughs> Tanani says, oh, you mean about taking the key from the mountain? Well, it's not up to me. We'll need to talk to the elders. So they go do that because in the very next scene, they're with the village elders. Yeah. One of, one, one of whom wasn't 
very elder looking. And we didn't get their names, so I just referred to them as Elder the Elder and Elder the Younger. (laughs) Elder the Elder tells them that their methods are wasteful and violent and will upset their people and their spirits, so that's a no on the extraction of the trinium. Elder the Younger (laughs) says you should be content with the key that the spirits send down the river. And Sam's like, we might need more than the river can provide because we're at war and we want to make weapons. But they, I know, but they don't want to short the Salish on their supply either. Did they actually call them Salish, or are we just basing this on what Daniel? No, they kept calling them Salish. Okay, okay, okay. I "Hmm." I don't know that they called themselves Salish, but they—that's how they continue to refer to them. Yeah. Okay. Sam says they have less destructive mining methods. There's some chit chat among the the elders in their native tongue, and then the elder elder says. Maybe Tonani can take a look at these methods by going through the Stargate to your world. And so Sam asks if they've ever been through the Stargate. But no, because Ka says it's too dangerous. <laughs> Zales, I suppose, but there's no there's no bird there cawing right now, but <laughs> oh, that's great. Tonani says that can't be that dangerous because you're alive and I love to travel. So Sam's like, great, we're settled then. <laughs> and they go back to Earth. They with- do. Yeah. yeah. Back on Earth in the infirmary, Sam is telling Jack about the whole ordeal and Han brings Tanani in. Tanani is wondering why they are here rather than looking at the mining procedures. George, <laughs> dressing Hammond by his first name. <laughs> And Hammond tells him, oh, we just need to have you get a medical exam first. (laughs) Jack asks, George? (laughs) Hammond introduces Jack to Tanani, and everyone there assures Tanani that the exam won't hurt. In the meeting room a little while later, presumably Tanani has passed his physical exam, and so they're watching a computer monitor, and they're showing a black and white video of mining techniques. Tanani, not being familiar with the technology, touches the screen like he's trying to touch the equipment and then tells them to stop the images and says that these methods look really just as bad and destructive as the current methods being used. So he's really not convinced that this is better. Hammond says, well, this is only the first part. We haven't gotten to where they actually restore the land and plant some trees back on it later. But Tanani is really not convinced. He says that their way is still better and... Jack derisively says, oh, so you mean just asking the spirits to send stuff down the river to you? (laughs) So he's like, yeah, it's the best way and the only way if we're going to allow you to take any key from our planet. Hammond is not pleased at this and asks Daniel to show him around the rest of the facility while he continues talking to the rest of the team. Daniel tells Tanani that he is going to not only show him the facility, but also show him some pictures that they have of his ancestors. Tanani's kind of confused by this and a little bit shocked but excited because he didn't realize, as Daniel explains to them, to him, that their people supposedly originated on Earth. So they leave. I don't think they're his ancestors because pictures, what kind of pictures are we talking about? Images. Right. Also a good point. This was supposed to be a couple centuries ago, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, multiple, unless, unless multiple the gold, centuries ago, it would yeah. have to be like within the last hundred 
50-ish years. Yeah, I mean, for them maybe, to be pictures. Paintings? Yeah, and, and he even said if photos he, didn't he? Maybe pictures? He, I, I thought know. maybe they're I paintings. <laughs> I think he said images, so it could be images oh. of paintings. But maybe, yeah. but even so, I feel like if we're talking about Western interpretations of these people, that's still only a few hundred years. Yeah. So I don't think True. they'd be ancestors. I think they'd be what cousins? distant cousins. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Anyway, that's. Yeah. I was like, "What are you talking about, Daniel?" <laughs> Good point. See, I miss out on the history stuff that you point out, and it's great. <laughs> when I'm nitpicking Daniel, because oh know, no, fine. I nitpick the science. I love when you nitpick <laughs> the history. <laughs> After Daniel and Tanani leave. The rest of SG-1 and Hammond and Connor are all just kind of sitting around and looking at each other. Hammond says that it's unfortunate that they seem to have made up their mind about that. Connor points out that while they are willing to share, but Hammond says that, well, those small deposits washed down the mountain over thousands of years. It's fine for them, but not good enough for us. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently he's been ordered to consider other initiatives. And he promises them that it's nothing bad, except that he's wrong when he promises it's nothing bad, because it is actually really bad. (laughs) Apparently, the NID has a proposal before the Pentagon that says that they're going to wait until the Salish migrate farther south, and then they're going to sneak back in, extract the mineral, and then get back out before the Salish can return. So everyone else is pretty appalled by this plan of stealing the Trinium. And Connor points out that while... The people on the planet set them free the first time. If they catch them doing this again and outright stealing it this time, they might not be so kind next time. Hammond says that he doesn't like the idea either, but that we need whatever advantage we can get against the Guawold. And everyone is still pretty insistent that there's got to be some better way than the one that Hammond just said they're planning on using. And thankfully, Jack points out, is anyone in the chain of command concerned about, like, aboriginal rights or, you know, repeating history or annoyingly pesky moral stuff? And I was actually surprised that he was the one to say this because he had been kind of derisive about their belief that you need to call the spirits to bring the trinium to you earlier. So I actually expected him to be more on board with this plan than he was. So I was glad he wasn't. Hammond is pissed off that Jack is questioning him about this, but Sam says that Jack's right. But Hammond promises it's only going to be a small mission. There's not going to be a lot of damage. And what they don't know can't hurt them, right? So pretty much everyone angrily storms off at this point. And that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Connor, meanwhile, goes to Hammond's office, just opens the door, (laughs) which Hammond's pretty cranky and he's cranky about that. Like, I have a meeting. Did you need something? And Connor's like, yes, sir. And then he slaps his forearms together and there's a flash of light and he disappears Hammond. Yep. That was surprising. I was quite surprised. Like, my mouth actually dropped open (laughs) as I was watching it. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Didn't expect that one. And then suddenly the whole SG-11 team is there in the conference room. Poof. And Connor says to them, as I suspected, they're going to deceive Tanani. Time to show the earthlings the power of the spirits. (laughs) Yep. Earthlings. (laughs) I'm done being amused by that. I don't know. Next, we're in the lab and there are people doing some random lab stuff. We start with a close up of a tank 
that looks to have both some trinium ore and some celery in it or something. <laughs> That's where <laughs> I, I keep know. my celery in with my metals. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. There's a woman looking in a microscope. SG-11 storms in and Connor flashbangs her out of there. And then the doctor guy who we've seen before. This is the same doctor guy, right? It is the same doctor guy. My hero. The doctor guy who is on top of the alarm pressing comes in and is still on top of the alarm pressing. So he hasn't lost anything since the Kowalski days. He presses the alarm just before they manage to flashbang him out of the lab. He's the best. He is so good. (laughs) He's great. He's just on top of those alarms. He's alert. He's fast. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a fangirl. Dr. Warner. I think that's Agree. his name. Agree. <sighs> <laughs> Out in the hallway, people are running and Jack is behind them. There's a flash up ahead. Jack looks up and ducks around the corner just in time. We see SG-11 up ahead and Connor has apparently flashbanged all the other people that were running up in front of Jack. In the control room... Jack has come out of hiding and runs in to find it empty. He lowers the blast shield and pushes another alarm and then calls out on the intercom that this is a code nine and not a drill. Daniel and Tonani are walking through the SGC and Tonani asks what that sound is. And Daniel is kind of looking around and he sees a flash and he says to- tells Tonani he's going to show him a part of the base that most people don't get to see. And he Woo! opens the door right behind him and they go into a storage closet. <laughs> Yay, storage closet. <laughs> Tonani is still continuing to act in like that weird unfazed kind of smiley way where nothing affects him. Like there's all these loud noises and alarms and people running and he's just like, ah, oh, what's that mean, Daniel? Yeah. Still just weird to me. It's weird, but I kind of like it. I li- I kind of I, I kind of dig his chill vibe. I really I found it disconcerting. <laughs> Fair. I was like, be more stressed. I can't. Your your lack of stress is stressing me. <laughs> That's Fair. a man who has not had a lot of problems in life and knows he's going to continue to not have problems because he's being looked after by yeah. the spirits. Like, yeah, it's good call. Like, <laughs> that is a good call. his place in the problem. world. Yes, <laughs> just, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, you're probably right. That, like, that really is the way that his character should have been played. Yeah. Jack is running towards weapons <laughs> and runs into Sam and Tilk. They're all startled to see one another. <laughs> yes, quite. Yeah, yeah. And Jack's like, you guys are the only ones who have made it to the armory? And Sam says she thinks so. Jack tells Sam to brace herself and <laughs> says that SG-11 <laughs> is bopping around, <laughs> waving their arms, <laughs> and making our people disappear. <laughs> Direct quote. It's great. Yeah, I love yeah, that part. It's so good. <laughs> So Jack's like, so that's not SG-11 then. Yep. Jack confirms. <laughs> Tilk says the alarm they're hearing originated in the lab, so they head that way. Jack busts into the lab, hears wings flapping, and then there's the doctor. The doctor we saw disappear right there. And he's like, Colonel? And Jack's like, Warner? <laughs> 
Sam comes in and says the corridors in the lab are empty. Warner blames Tonani <laughs> and says Tonani made everyone disappear. Jack is skeptical. Warner is like, I hid and pushed the panic button. One of those things is true. And <laughs> he says that they need to find Tonani and all the others are meaningless. <laughs> yeah. That's a weird way Which to word is it. weird. Yeah. <laughs> So he walks out, and Jack's like meaningless. Yeah, and they follow him. Yeah. (laughs) So out in the hallway, the team obviously knows that something is up because of Warner calling the other people meaningless, and because they know that Tanani is with Daniel, and Jack saw SG Eleven disappearing people. So they catch up with Warner, and Jack asks who he is. He says he's Doctor Warner, and Jack's like, No, I don't think so. Here's my 8.8% beer that I said I was likely going to crack into, but I made it further along in the episode than I thought I would. (laughs) We're like halfway instead of just like a quarter of the way like I thought I might make it. (laughs) So the team obviously knows something is up. They do not believe him and draw their weapons. So Warner admits that he is in fact one of Tanani's guardian spirits and says that if they harm him, then their people will never be returned to them. And they don't respond well to threats. Jack says, well, neither do we. And so they shoot the guy just once with his at gun. And as he's falling unconscious, he morphs into a person that has either gills or a vulva where his nose should be. Or both. <laughs> I don't know. It depended on the angle what it looked like. <laughs> I called them gills throughout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just noticed more when they were laying down. And when they were laying down, it looked a little bit more like something else. <laughs> like looking at it from below. <laughs> oh, and he's wearing a shiny suit. Did I say that? He is. Shiny I don't think he did, suit. but I noticed yeah. that as well. Elsewhere, a bunch of guys run up to Hammond, who's chilling with his wolf friend. And he tells them it's fine because she's with him. And then he flashbangs them away. Then he and the wolf both morph into the gill-faced people. Takaya says she has lost contact with Zales and asks the Hammond impersonator if Tanani has been found, but Tanani has not been found. Takaya tells him to stay there in the form of the general and that she's going to go off to look for Tanani. And if they lose contact, she says that he should destroy the place and return home with the others ASAP. She turns back into a wolf and walks off down the hall past the storage room that Daniel is peeking out of. <laughs> In the storage room, Daniel has continued the tour. This is a storeroom and we store things. <laughs> so we always have them on hand. Like this stuff. I'm glad he committed to that for like mm-hmm. a second. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I did think that was funny too. Yeah. <laughs> so now he's like, uh, can I go home now? <laughs> and Dan- Daniel says, I won't lie. We've got a problem. We've got to find Jack. Tonani looks around and is like, he's not in here. <laughs> and Daniel's like, right. End of scene. <laughs> it was one of those hard transitions, yeah. too. Just like, <laughs> like sudden blackness <laughs> for a good few seconds. <laughs> it's like, all right, oh cool. <laughs> We're in the infirmary next with Jack and Sam and the unconscious alien. 
Jack is asking if the alien's alright and Sam says it's hard to say because the only real sign will be when he has the strength to make us all disappear. <laughs> Probably not the way you want no. to find out. <laughs> the door opens, but it's only Daniel and Tanani. Daniel asks Jack, are you you? And Jack says, yeah, <laughs> you? Daniel's like, what? <laughs> Just... <Yep. laughs> he laughs so hard. Jack says, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Jack wants to talk to Tonani, and Tonani says, Daniel, he says, maybe I should just go home. (laughs) Jack's like, um, not yet. Our people are disappearing, and it has something to do with you. Did you know Connor and SG-11 are aliens? Tonani says, what are aliens? So then Jack shows him the alien. Tonani looks surprised. Jack says, he's an alien. And also your spirit. Probably Zales, says Sam. I don't know why they assume that. I can't remember if that was... Anyway. (laughs) I'm not sure either. Yeah. Yeah. They like to assume a lot of stuff. I mean, they're right, but I don't know why they figured that. Yeah. Tonani says to Zales, who is unconscious, is that you? (laughs) And says to Jack, if he was, he'd probably answer. (laughs) It's terrible, but also I just kind of love Tonani. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I for sure didn't dislike him. And I actually have a new opinion of him now that you've (laughs) said what you were saying before. I'll talk about it more later, but... So Teal says to Tanani that in his world, beings who pretend to be, you know, there are beings who pretend to be gods so they could conquer his people and rule with fear. And maybe that's the way of your spirits. And Tanani says he feels sorry for Teal's people and that his spirits are not evil. They protect. They don't rule. Jack's like, that is Zales. He's trying to conquer this base. And how do we stop him? And Tanani says, the spirits I know wouldn't threaten your people unless you were gonna do something to threaten mine are you jack this is like the first time we get not like his innocent little boy smile but like he actually gives jack a coy look yeah (laughs) because if you are jack there's no way to stop them the spirits will destroy you jack looks alarmed at this and there's chanting and drumming (laughs) yeah out in the hallway, Takaya is walking, people are running, and then the people disappear. Why do you think they use the arm gesture when they don't clearly don't need to? Yeah, I don't know that either. It reminded me of um, back Friends. Friends didn't age well. The show Friends, I didn't oh, think God, really held no. up very well. It holds up terribly. Like- yes, but it reminded me of... What, that episode where <laughs> Ross is talking about like the gesture that he used to use instead of giving people the finger yes. and it was like yeah that's what this looked like <laughs> <laughs> you're right <laughs> so that's what I kept seeing every time that they did it but yeah I don't know because as you said they clearly don't need it because Takaya didn't use it in wolf form as she was walking down the hall so <laughs> maybe they're telling them to fuck you as they're making them disappear I don't know <laughs> maybe they watched friends Back in the infirmary, Daniel says that from what he overheard, the aliens aren't going to destroy the base until they find Tanani. Tilk says they need to convince the aliens that they won't try to extract the trinium, but Jack and Daniel are pretty skeptical of that since they overheard everybody plotting behind their back. So, of course, 
the aliens are not going to trust them. And then he also points out, we shot one. So that's for sure not going to help with the trust. Daniel recommends that they appeal to the elders and tell them what's happened. And Jack isn't really too thrilled with that idea of fessing up, as he calls it, but doesn't really have any other options or ideas. Uh, So he does agree to send Tilk and Daniel back to try to convince the elders to appeal to the spirits on their behalf. Then he goes to Tanani and tells him it's time for the truth. Uh-oh, not the truth. <laughs> yes, the truth. In the control room, Daniel raises their blast shield, blocking their view of the gate. Takaya is sitting on the ramp in wolf form in the gate room. Daniel's going to go try to reason with the wolf. Reasoning with animals never works well. I try to reason with my dogs all the time, and it never works. They yep. just don't listen to logic. In one of my many failed blog attempts, I called reasoning with cats. (laughs) It never really went anywhere. No, it really doesn't. No. We don't even bother to try to reason with the cat anymore. We (laughs) still try with the dogs, but yeah, it doesn't. I only have cats to reason with, so. (laughs) So Daniel goes down to see Takaya and says, before you disappear me or bite me, hear me out. (laughs) We haven't seen Takaya by anyone, so I feel like no. Daniel's just, you know, being silly. Yeah. She's a good wolf. Yes, she is. Kind of. Is but she? I don't, I don't know. know. I guess I just like wolves, and so that's why yeah. I'm assuming she's a good wolf. But she's not really a wolf, and no. she's made a bunch of people disappear, so <laughs> now I'm the one making leaps in logic. But don't worry. She's not a wolf for long. She morphs mm-hmm. back into being a shiny-clad lady. Up in the control room... An alien walks in and Tilk turns quickly and points his weapon at him. That's when the attack comes, not from the front, but from the side, from the other gill face he didn't even know was there. Perfect. (laughs) Again, perfect. Thank you. (laughs) Daniel sees Tilk is no longer there. Takaya throws her arms up and Daniel says, I know where Zales is. And she asks where. Daniel says, you need to promise to hear me out. So then she moves her arms further away from one another. Again, she doesn't need to use her arms to disappear him. But at least now she's signaling to him that he's he's not going to disappear right then. Now she just looks like she's getting ready to give him an applause for no apparent reason. (laughs) That's that's all I was thinking in this scene. She looks like she's just about to start clapping her hands. (laughs) Yay, Daniel. Woo. Bravo. Great performance. In the infirmary, Jack, Sam, and Tanani are still with Zales, who is still unconscious. Sam is skeptical that this is due to the effect of the Zat gun at this point. He should have woken up by now. But Jack thinks that maybe Zales just doesn't want to show himself. Tanani suddenly disappears in a flash of light. And an alien walks in around the corner. Then Sam also disappears. And Daniel jumps out from behind the alien guy and tells Jack not to shoot, (laughs) as Jack is just about to do. He's got his gun drawn. He says that all these aliens are just there to help Zales. And Jack asks, how do I know you're really Daniel? And Daniel says, because. (laughs) So, of course, Jack's reply is, yeah, all right. (laughs) And he lowers his gun, so that makes sense. So a bunch of aliens come in the room and they hold their hands over Zales. This was a little bit of, uh, this was reminiscent to me of the, the healing ceremony that the Nox do. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that, but you're right. Yeah. So Zales wakes up, puts his fists together, and suddenly they're all in the gate room. And he orders Takaya to destroy this place as he walks up the ramp. I really wanted to know why they would bother bringing Daniel and Jack with them into the gate room for this part. (laughs) That made no sense. Destroy this base, but we're going to bring these people with us so that they can watch us leave as we destroy it. Daniel asks them to wait because Takaya promised to listen. Zales says that Hammond said that what the people of that planet know don't hurt them, so their word is pretty meaningless as far as he's concerned. Takaya says, well, my word would be meaningless too if I just do as you ask, because I did promise to listen to him in exchange for being allowed to save your life. Takaya is a very good girl. I'm just going to yeah. throw it out there. <laughs> she's a I good, mean, good girl. I mean, she's in wolf form, but, you know, she's a good, good girl. She is. Agreed. <sighs> All puppies are good, yeah. good boys or good, good girls, yeah. even if they are wild puppies. <laughs> or <opinion>. sometimes aliens. <laughs> or sometimes aliens. <laughs> sometimes aliens that are not puppies at all. <laughs> Sales does agree to listen, but says that him listening doesn't mean that he's not going to continue to punish them for trying to steal the key or for deceiving Tanani's people or trying to destroy the relationship between his people and Tanani's people. Jack promises that they will give up the mining operation. And Takaya says that even if they could trust Jack, what about his superiors? And so Jack points out the obvious that why not just shut down the gate (laughs) so that nobody can come back through unless you want to allow them through. So the aliens agree. But they do say this doesn't fix the issue of SG-1 also revealing their true form and true identity to Tanani and thereby Tanani's people. And Jack's like, well, you have been posing as gods, so that's not really cool. Takaya asks, is that what you really think? We adapted our form to the Salish spirits so we could coexist in harmony without interfering their natural evolution. That that still is posing as gods, though, despite how she wanted to reword it. Yeah. So Jack was not wrong. No, this is also the second time they've disabused people of the image of their gods because... yes. The, it happened with the Sumerians. Too. Yep. <laughs> Destroying religions everywhere. Not that I'm a religious person or a fan of organized religion, but also at the same time, I don't necessarily agree with like destroying an entire society as religious beliefs yeah. for your own purposes either. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's our Jack. Yep. So the harmony between the two groups of people has been broken. Zales says that the people, the Salish, will learn to fear them and make key weapons to use against them. But Daniel says that the Salish came from Earth and they value the natural world more than technology. Are the Salish still around? Or are there descendants of the Salish? Yes, they are still around. Again, Salish is a language group. A lot of the languages are either going, you know, close to being extinct or not. But yeah, the people are still around, obviously, in diminished (laughs) numbers, like many indigenous people. But right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Jack says that if they really do respect the other people on the planet, then they wouldn't be posing as their spirits and they would be trusting them instead. Takaya 
says our friend Tanani is wise, and so is our friend Jack. So I guess they've decided to make peace here, even though make peace was not involved. <laughs> Zales slams his hands, and Tanani is back all of a sudden, and Jack introduces Tanani and Zales to each other. Takaya introduces herself too, and they say that they are honored to take the name of Tanani's spirits, but that this is really their true form, and that they can take any form that is desired. So they offer to continue to appear to Tanani in whatever form he wishes them to appear in. Tanani says that they've always been really kind to his people, so he wants them to just be happy, take whatever form makes them happy. They say that their natural form will make them the most happy. At this point, the gate starts to dial, and I wanted to know who was dialing it. Because That's a good question. Nobody in the control room. I feel like it must have been these people then... Sort of like the Nox could just make the gate I, start up, I too. Get, yeah, but I was thinking about that, too. But the Nox didn't just make the gate start dialing. They made the gate just open. That's true. Well, the Nox so, are obviously cooler, so. True, true. But I guess maybe they don't have the same, they don't have necessarily the same technology, even though some of it is reminiscent of the Nox. Yeah. So maybe they're, maybe they are dialing the gate, I suppose. I guess they must be. Either way, the gate starts dialing. Yeah, regardless, <laughs> the gate is dialing. Tanani asks, can I finally go home? <laughs> I thought he liked to travel. What's his problem? Right? He says he likes to travel, <laughs> and then he was only in on Earth for, like, not even a day, and he's already go- wanting to go home. I went all the way to Earth, and all I got was a tour of a storage closet. <laughs> and a t-shirt about it. I mean, I guess I can't really blame him. This was a really <laughs> shitty trip. Yeah. <laughs> really bad (laughs) didn't really get to see a whole lot of anything or do anything cool nope so jack and tanani say their goodbyes but daniel's like wait what about our friends (laughs) takaya says they're right beside you and then she fist bumps herself and the gate room is full of people (laughs) hammond is like colonel (laughs) o'neill and jack tells hammond he'll explain it all later and then there is Yet more chanting and drumming to the credits. Yeah. And that's it. That's the episode. That is the episode. Whew. That was another very, very, very talky episode. It was. It was. Mm-hmm. You know, in my head, this show is always, like, very action-oriented, but then Same. a lot of it isn't so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. And I always like, as I've mentioned, I like the explodey things. I like explosions. I for sure like actiony episodes more than talky episodes. But, you know, I also have like the attention span of a fly. So did you like the episode, Kathy? I did like the episode. <laughs> oh, that's right. You already told I me did. that. And I blocked it out because I was so disappointed. <laughs> I thought a lot of the dialogue was super funny. I Well, not a lot of it, but there were a few, several moments where I genuinely laughed out loud and that <laughs> I really enjoyed that. And okay. I, I think for me, yes, there are obviously some problematical things about the episode, but I really liked Tonani a lot. I Yeah. He was just such, he was just such a chill, like <laughs> smiley guy, and I just really enjoyed him. Um, and I also, it seemed weird that Hammond being totally on board with like screwing these people over was a little bit hard to swallow. Yeah, I was disappointed in that too. 
I mean, in ultimately, they are in the military and they have to follow orders. But it, I, I feel like they've not, they haven't been in this exact same position before, I don't think. But I feel like they've been yeah, asked to do questionable yeah, spots. Where they've done, like, or had done or had been asked to do questionable things and they sort of, like, push back on it more. Right. I don't know. Like, Hammond was all on board with Sam's friend, like, destroying the, the nasty giant bugs, as Jack called them a couple episodes back. There's the juice. That made no sense. It's me that made no sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so. So he's even... fine with that, but not not yeah. bothering to push back on this, which I find this is even more problematic. This was so. awful. Because the yeah. only reason, I mean, obviously they're going to close their Stargate. I assume that's what's going to happen. But even if yeah. they hadn't, they wouldn't have had to worry about the Earth people coming back anyway, since they have far superior aliens on the other planet who can just make them all disappear. Right. So they probably weren't going to come back anyway. <laughs> yeah, and knowing but, that, then they for sure wouldn't be going there yeah. to try to take stuff from the planet. But until that point, there were... Uh, I, so that stuff isn't great, but I, I like that there's still that dilemma there where they're like, we have this enemy we need to fight. We need to find means to do it. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be people who are like, well, we should do what we need to to do that. Yeah. So... So overall, I I enjoyed it. I like I I can't, I don't know. Yeah. Hey. How about you? I did not <laughs> like this episode. Shocked to hear it. I know, right? I for I don't know why. For me, it just felt like a real slog. Like it took me way longer to watch this episode than it normally does, but. Like, my ADD was super strong while I was trying to watch it, and I just kept getting distracted, like, by emails and social media stuff and, like, just various things, and I just, I couldn't focus on it because I didn't find it that interesting for a lot of it. And then I kept thinking, well, I've got to be close to being finished with it now, right? And I would, like, pause it to check how much time I had left, and I was, like, halfway through, (laughs) or or not even, and I'd be like, what the fuck? How long is this goddamn episode? (laughs) And, you know, it was no longer than any other episode. It just felt way longer to me for, I don't know, a reason. Probably, you know, as we said, there was a ton of talking and not a whole lot of action. So, like, I felt like I had to work a lot harder to take my notes. And so maybe that's part of my feelings of tedium and getting bored with it. I thought, to me, it felt like they were trying a little bit harder to make the people on this planet seem primitive. And we're talking like down to them or, or we're talking about them in kind of negative ways. And I'm not sure if maybe I was just being overly sensitive about that because of the fact, like more so than, than other episodes, because, you know, indigenous people obviously still exist and are still treated like crap. So I don't know if maybe I was just being more sensitive to it. It bothered me for a lot of the episode, how childlike of a personality they gave to Nani, because to me, I was reading that as come as part of their, choice to portray them as primitive and simple but then what you actually said about how he's led a pretty sheltered and protected life because of these spirits actually kind of changed my opinion on that so i think that you know maybe you're actually more correct on that than i am that they're not necessarily trying to make him seem simple to make him appear more primitive but maybe they were just making him seem more more childlike and innocent because as you said he's been protected by these spirits his whole life and so has never really had to worry about anything 
so I prefer that take on it. I'm going to go with that take, which does actually make me dislike the episode less <laughs> than I initially disliked it. So thanks for that. Changing hearts and minds over here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree that there were a lot of funny parts in it, but they weren't enough to, to me. There weren't enough of them to outweigh the stuff I didn't like. Um, and then, yeah, that's that's pretty yeah. much all I have to say about that. And, you know, it's just another example of people wanting to go and destroy some pristine nature in order to benefit ourselves which we're continuing to do on our own planet and as somebody who is frequently teaching students about how huge of an impact our mining and deforestation activities have on ecosystems uh maybe i'm a little bit more sensitive to that too since it's something that we talk about at length when i'm talking about like climate change and, and extinct species or invasive species and various other ways that people are impacting the planet so uh, so yeah, that's Thanks. my that's my full take. A lot of stuff I didn't like. Some stuff I did find very funny, and you have changed my opinion on the character of Tunani. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> Whoo! Yeah. I had a lot to say about that yeah, one. Yeah, you did. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I didn't even know I had so much to say about it until I started. Yeah. Oh, can I send? You, I'm going to send you a link to something. By the yes, way, please. this has nothing to do with anything. But when I was looking at the um. When I was looking at the information about the Salish, that I um, I found that there is a now extinct breed of dog called the Salish <gasps> Wool Dog. That the dog used to have such a large, like such a, what's the word I'm looking for? Thick fur coat that they could actually they would actually shear the dogs <gasps> and make blankets out of it. <gasps> Puppy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. And so I feel like we could do that with Lily. She's got so much fur. But yeah. <laughs> So, and there's a picture, the the particular link I'm sending actually has a picture of somebody holding one of the dogs. They're not big dogs. They're little dogs, but they have... cute. So they were, they used to use those because it was easier than, they didn't have sheep and they didn't, it was easier than dealing with goats, I guess, to have these dogs. And they used to keep the dogs separate from other dog populations, either isolated on an island or in some kind of like, I don't know, pen or something. Yeah. In order to make sure that there wasn't interbreeding and they didn't lose this. But then with the adding of, adding, the mingling of their peoples with people from the West who had other easier means of making a blanket to trade with them. Or they had actual blankets. Like, they, yeah. the need for those these dogs went away. So then the dogs ended up being bred out into, er, with other dogs. Yeah. So it's <laughs> fantastic. Dogs so, are yeah. great. I love I, dogs. I know. I, I know. History about dogs. I love anything about dogs. Dogs are yeah. my favorite. Yeah. So I was, thanks. I, that's super interesting. And that picture is adorable. Yeah. I, I know. Share that too. Because that's great. It's a, it's a very, very good dog. Yank. Yeah. Such good, good girls and yeah. boys. Yeah. And non binary yeah. puppies. There we go. <laughs> Those good, good puppies. Yes. So, Kathy, what are we watching next? Next, we are watching Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 14, Touchstone. We're like more than halfway through this season, aren't we? That's bananas. Yeah, w- this, the next one will be 14, 14, and then there's only 22. How many are this? So, like, yeah, 20, oh, 22, 22, not even 24. Yeah. I was thinking probably around 24. Okay. From Netflix. When an imposter's SG-1 team steals the climate-controlling touchstone from the planet Madrona, the weather deteriorates, threatening the inhabitants. From the booklet, 
a powerful climate-controlling touchstone is stolen from the planet Madrona, causing the weather to rapidly deteriorate. Wow, I can't say the word deteriorate. Deteriorate. <laughs> deteriorate. And when the SG-1 team is accused of the theft, O'Neill must pursue the real thief and rescue the missing stone before all of Madrona perishes. <gasps> like what we're doing with our planet? Um. <laughs> but you know more slowly so <laughs> but we're, we're, not much we're more the, slowly <laughs> we're the frogs sitting in boiling water but we're he- reaching the boiling point soon yeah I actually do remember that episode and I think I like it so that's good yeah yeah so yeah as always thank you for listening make sure you subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every Monday I almost said every other Monday but nope we're still doing every Monday you can find us on YouTube as well Reviews and likes are greatly appreciated, as is word of mouth, since anything that helps people to find our show is great. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at StargateZing at gmail.com for our email. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. We're StargateZing there, and we are on Facebook. If you're feeling generous, you can join us on Patreon.com slash StargateZing, where you will get early access to episodes. You'll get extra behind-the-scenes updates from me, and we are currently also releasing episodes reviewing Stargate Origins on the first of every month. So if you decide to join us there and support our show, you'll get access to all of that. And last but not least, you can check out our website at StargateZing.space, where you can leave us a message or a voicemail and also access all of our episodes. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargazing. The end. The end. Yay! Yay! Woo! Woo, indeed. Yeah! Yeah. Ugh. This is a long one. Yeah, what? Oh, wow. What? even talk about no i'm just kidding i don't know we had a lot i had a lot to complain about it's probably mostly me (laughs) lecturing and complaining